It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the largest Vasaki outside of India. And uh, so you can only imagine the work that's gone into it. Tonight on Global News Hour, the spotlight on Surrey as the city hosts Canada's largest Vasaki parade after a four-year hiatus. Plus. This investigation is, is still very um, active, but we do have five suspects in custody. What police are saying about a brazen kidnapping outside a popular gym in Port Moody and... My wife and I won't walk down Granville Street anymore. A new poll reveals how Vancouverites are feeling about public safety and crime and how it's changing the way they live. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Residents in Surrey are playing host today to the biggest gathering in the city this year. Hundreds of thousands flooding into Newton for the return of the Visaki Parade following a pandemic pause. And as Julia Foy reports, a recent crackdown on Punjab added another layer to organizers trying to keep everyone in the massive crowd safe. There was no age limit on making music. There were no height restrictions on who could dance. And there was free food everywhere. Everybody can come, they can take a food, right? Everything. So it's our job. French fries <laughs> and pakoras. <laughs> I think the cotton candy. After a four year pause, the Surrey Vasaki celebration is back. And officials prepared for a crowd up to 700,000 people to celebrate their faith and the community. We usually start preparations about six months in advance, starting with like meetings with the city, internal volunteers. So it's a huge kind of undertaking. Basaki grew from a harvest festival into an important celebration of the Khalsa, a name given to six who've been baptized. It's a time to come together and share food and friendship. Visaki is a celebration of the community. It's a celebration of equality and compassion. And that's what we represent. In March, protesters raised concerns about a crackdown on civil rights in India, linked to Amrit Paul Singh, a controversial Sikh teacher and activist, calling for an independent Sikh homeland called Khalistan. Officials here had to take notice. I'm proud of the uh, all of the public safety people because I tell you, security is a big issue here, and everybody's worked so hard. Everything that you know is going on um, back in India, everything is taken into account, uh, and that's all part of a, an ongoing risk assessment that's done. Um, it helps inform decisions on resourcing and just you know overall expectations, sort of for how the day is going to go. Organizers worked closely with officials for weeks to ensure they were prepared for anything. Are we hearing anything, uh, uh, you know, and sharing that information with one another? And then where would we, where would those potential points be? But, you know, luckily we're not seeing much. The attendance for this year's event is still being tallied, but it appears the Surrey Festival may still be the largest Vasaki parade outside of India. Julia Foy, Global News. 
Five people are set to appear in Port Coquitlam Court Monday in connection with a brazen daylight kidnapping in Port Moody. The five were taken into custody Friday. Two of the suspects, a man and woman, were arrested in a dramatic takedown in Maple Ridge. The emergency response team from Vancouver, the Lower Mainland ERT and RCMP all involved. Charges have now been laid, but due to a publication ban, we are not reporting the names of the suspects. The hostage, a man in his 40s, was rescued from a remote location. Police say the ordeal began Wednesday morning when a man was pulled into a vehicle on Brewery Row on, in Port Moody. It's unclear what the motive was or if the incident was gang related. Police in the interior are releasing the identity of a man found dead in a Kamloops dumpster this week to try to determine whether his death was suspicious. The tragic discovery was made in a dumpster on the 1900 block of Curlew Drive last Thursday night. RCMP now say Gregory Troy Hamilton, who also went by the nickname Monster, was a transient resident in both Kamloops and 100 Mile House. Police want to speak with anyone who saw Hamilton or has dash cam or security footage of him in the days leading up to his death in order to get a timeline of his last movements. An autopsy is scheduled to help determine the cause of death. And transit police say an arrest has been made in last weekend stabbing on board a SkyTrain in Surrey. Police say the incident happened after the victim got in an argument with another man on April 15th. The 24-year-old man was stabbed in the abdomen and taken to hospital. Transit police say a man that they asked the public's help in identifying on Wednesday has now been arrested. More information will be shared on Monday. Whether it's attacks on public transit, break and enters or vandalism, public safety has become a growing concern for many, especially those living in Canadian cities. And now a new poll is reflecting those current fears and suggesting it's changing some people's daily habits. Paul Johnson reports. The police can enforce this if there's someone sleeping in my doorway. Vancouver bike seller Paul Dragon is showing us the no trespassing sticker on his door. He got it about a year ago to try and deter thieves and people camping and defecating on his storefront. I think the 2010 Olympics for us was the pinnacle of how beautiful Vancouver was and what a livable city it was. And he's no shrinking violet. He once narrowly survived getting shot, but continued to live and work in the city. Here's his take on the current state of public safety. My wife and I won't walk down Granville Street anymore. Doesn't matter the time of day. The results are off the chart, like double. Steve Mossop's new Leger poll might even surprise urban survivors like Dragon. His survey found Vancouverites are now the most pessimistic of any big city residents in Canada, with a staggering 62% saying public safety has declined, and only 6% saying they think it's improved. In the world of public opinion polling, that's no blip. Probably the biggest outcome of the survey is that residents, about half of them are saying, I'm just not going to go downtown. I'm going to go downtown way less often than I have before. I'm not going to go to that concert. I'm not going to go to that football game. I'm not going to go out for dinner. And trends like that can cause the kind of public safety collapse seen in the downtown cores of big American cities in decades past where fear and distrust come to dominate decision-making about city life. Dragon will tell you, sadly, he's already there. I'm not going to get close to that individual. I'm afraid of a needle. I'm afraid of uh, almost anything. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News.
Anyone hoping for a resolution this weekend to the strike by 155,000 federal workers, including those at passport offices and the Canada Revenue Agency, were quickly disappointed today. Travis Prasad joins us now. Travis, both sides may still be at the bargaining table, but you wouldn't know it by judging by today's comments. No, Julie, you would not. Some very strong words today from the president of the Public Service Alliance of Canada, who says the strike is dragging on because of the incompetence of the federal government. The PSAC is demanding higher wages, better working conditions, and the option to work remotely. 28 federal departments and agencies are affected by the strike, including immigration, passport, and tax services. Union President Chris Ilward spoke to media in Ottawa this morning, saying their negotiators submitted a proposal on Thursday, but got no response from the federal Treasury Board or government. He calls it a level of disrespect that he's never seen in bargaining before and says members are fed up with what they call a lack of communication. In order for us to reach a deal, the employer's got to start responding to some of these demands. And responding on one issue at a time, it, it, it's not going to do it. What's happening today should have happened on day one of bargaining two years ago. Not, not today, when we have over 100,000 members out on the picket line. Treasury Board and the Prime Minister needs to do something about that, and they need to be serious about these negotiations. Now, the president of the Treasury Board has responded to Aylward's comments, saying they're not accurate. In a statement posted on Twitter today, Mona Fortier says the Treasury Board did try meeting with the union on Friday to discuss their proposal, but got no response from them. She says it wasn't until after the PSAC president spoke to the media today that union negotiators made themselves available and talks resumed. So a war of words going on between both sides as one of the largest strikes in Canadian history continues. Julie. All right, thanks for that, Travis. More than two decades after a Nanaimo woman vanished, RCMP are investigating the theft of seven missing person signs related to the disappearance of Lisa Marie Young. The signs were mounted in a grassy area at the intersection of Bowen Road and Dufferin Crescent in central Nanaimo, and police say businesses did not object to them being placed there to bring awareness to the unsolved case. The most recent theft occurred between Sunday, April 16th, and Tuesday, April 18th. 21-year-old Lisa Marie Young was last seen in the early morning hours of Sunday, June 30th, 2002, leaving the former Jungle Nightclub in downtown Nanaimo. A man in a burgundy Jaguar drove Young and her friends to a house party. Young later left the party with the same man and was never seen again. RCMP suspect Young met with foul play. Burnaby RCMP say a 27-year-old motorcyclist was killed in a crash today. Police say the man died after a motorcycle and a tractor trailer collided on North Fraser Way near Wiggins Street at about 11 o'clock this morning. Investigators are still trying to determine the cause of the crash, but it's believed speed was likely a contributing factor. The other driver remained on scene and is cooperating with police. Traffic on North Fraser Way has been closed for hours due to the investigation. North Vancouver RCMP are looking for the driver of a Lamborghini after they crashed the high-end vehicle and ran from the scene this morning. The collision happened near Devon Road and Highland Boulevard around 6 this morning. 
Police say the driver hit a retaining wall, causing some significant damage to the vehicle's front end. RCMP are now looking for the driver who took off to confirm they were unharmed and to determine the cause of the crash. The Lamborghini had Alberta license plates and may have been a rental. Still to come on the news hour, the immense damage to an iconic fixture at Kitts Beach. The historic showboat amphitheater went up in flames overnight. The extent of the fire damage coming up. Plus, a notoriously dangerous road in the Okanagan and the bad driving caught on camera when we come back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Vancouver entertainment tradition for nearly nine decades is in need of major renovations after a devastating overnight fire. The Kitsilano showboat has never missed a season and as Kristen Robinson reports, volunteers behind the nonprofit are determined to bring the amateur stage back this summer with help from the community. The dressing room drenched, the backstage area gutted, the facade charred and cracked. It's a big hit, both um, both the showboat and to me personally. The devastation hitting close to home for Barry Lineback, who has volunteered with the Showboat Society for more than 65 years. It's part of the family, so to speak. It was just a huge shock. It just can't happen. Overnight fire caused major damage to the park board facility at Kitts Beach. The extent of the damage is just you know, beyond belief. And it's just a real heartbreak to hear what happened. This is such an iconic uh, venue here in the city. So many uh, people have performed on this stage. Here comes the show. Since 1935, the Kitsilano Showboat has brought local and international talent to this outdoor stage every summer. David Eby and his son sang along on opening night in 2019. The free entertainment funded entirely by donations. After moving to online shows to survive COVID, the showboat weathered a $30,000 flooding loss from the January 2022 King Tide. Financially, it's been a hard couple of years. Now officials are trying to determine how it caught fire. And we have VPD assisting us in that investigation right now. Park Board really feels this loss and we do everything we can to bring it back to service as possible. One Vancouver performer has also launched a fundraiser hoping the civic and construction communities will help with repairs. You, know, you see these TV shows of how the entire community comes together and in a month they build an entire house. Wouldn't that be incredible? Lineback says the show must and will go on. 
We've never missed a season, never, even during the war years. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A global viewer caught some very dangerous driving on dash cam while traveling along West Side Road in the Okanagan. Oh, you're an idiot. Holy. A white SUV passes not only one vehicle, but two and a double solid line with the second vehicle pulling a trailer. West Side Road is a notoriously dangerous road labeled worst in BC three years running by BCAA. It's since been upgraded, but it remains a winding road with blind curves, a lot of wildlife and plenty of crashes every year. Our viewer says they have seen many other examples of dangerous driving on West Side Road and would like to see traffic patrols stepped up before somebody gets killed. Still to come, new recommendations out of Ottawa to strengthen the airline passenger bill of rights. Just in time for the busy summer travel season, but will it be enough to empower passengers when their travel plans go south? Plus, a U.S. Supreme Court decision on the use of the abortion pill is being closely watched here in Canada. The potential impact as the news hour continues. The new recommendations are now being studied by Ottawa that are supposed to improve air travel for passengers, especially when their flights are delayed or cancelled. It comes just as Canadians enter the busy summer vacation travel period. But as Tim Sargent reports, not everyone is convinced the recommendations will be implemented or that sweeping changes will be made. Some sweeping steps are being taken that are supposed to dramatically improve your air travel experience. And thank you, Minister. A parliamentary standing committee is trying to put more power in the hands of passengers, especially if flights have been cancelled or delayed. 21 new recommendations are designed to strengthen the passengers' bill of rights. The emphasis puts the burden of proof on airlines to justify why passengers shouldn't be compensated. The highlights offer compensation to all passengers affected by delays, cancellations or denial of boarding, make compensations through payment rather than travel credits and communicate problems and resolve complaints in a timely manner. I think that would be awesome because just in my situation that I've been dealing with, it feels like I absolutely have no rights at all. Crystal Dariano is thrilled new recommendations are being made. She was one of many Canadians whose flight was cancelled last month when four planes of Flair Airlines were seized. Dariano had to rebook with another carrier to get to Florida with her boyfriend. She's been partially refunded, but complains trying to recover the balance has been extremely frustrating. Pretty much every little thing that they can do to not refund us. A passenger rights advocacy group also endorses the findings. It's a very, very strong and good report. But there are still fears that the recommendations won't become law. The uh, government is just engaging in another uh, more, even more smokescreen and even less transparency in the complaint process. In a statement to Global News, the National Airlines Council of Canada writes that it agrees to strengthen the overall air travel system for passengers. However, it urges the Minister of Transport to consult with airlines prior to making any decisions. The Transport Minister insists he's looking at it all before making any final decision. We will see these uh, uh, that uh, the Passenger Bill of Rights uh, strengthened before we rise for the summer. And for many, hopefully more powers for passengers as they make their final getaway plans for the summer vacation period. Tim Sergeant Global News, Montreal. It turns out a Penticton senior who was kicked out of her apartment while she was in the hospital was behind on her rent. 
Rhonda Elliott says she was in hospital for several weeks and when she was discharged, her apartment was cleared out. A search of BC Tenancy Act documents shows she had been in a dispute with her landlord for months and she was legally evicted. It also showed her rent was more than $1,700 a month. The Penticton City Councillor who started a GoFundMe page for Elliot says she stands behind the fundraiser, saying that Elliot is a vulnerable senior who is slipping through the cracks. In Health Matters Now, the U.S. Supreme Court decision to preserve access to a commonly used abortion pill was being closely watched by both pro-life and pro-choice groups in Canada. And advocates say they'll continue to closely monitor what happens next in a post-Roe v. Wade America. Joe Scarpelli reports. While access to abortion remains unchanged in Canada, some advocates north of the border say they'll be keeping a close eye on the ongoing legal challenges in the U.S., the U.S. Supreme Court's decision should leave access to the abortion pill mifepristone unchanged until at least next year as more appeals play out. A Texas judge ruled the drug was improperly approved and should be taken off the shelves. Anti-abortion groups had hoped the Supreme Court would agree. But one analyst says the court has basically delayed its decision and this could just be the beginning of a lengthy battle. Maybe this stay will give a, a period of time where people can, you know, really take a look at the evidence that the plaintiffs are claiming. Whatever your position is on, on the life issue, uh, we should care about that. The pill has been approved for use in the U.S. since 2000 and available in Canada since 2017. Although Canadian doctors can prescribe it over the phone, not all pharmacies carry it, either because of its cost or because of the owner's moral beliefs. And while any American court decision won't directly change access to abortion in Canada, some say it could still cause confusion and impact abortion services. We have to think about the growing anti-abortion movement in Canada that is very much linked with other movements that are very concerning. We need to name that this is a problem and that we need swift action by governments to address it. The executive director of Action Canada wants to see the federal government improve abortion access, while pro-life groups will continue to call for the opposite. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. We have more from Surrey's Visaki Parade and the passion of one family to honor their culture and traditions. Plus, Harbor Air and their first all-electric Haviland Beaver, a move to be more environmentally conscious when we come back. You're watching Global BC. Returning to Surrey's uh, Visaki Parade, and families are at the heart of the massive celebration, all of them trying to fulfill the tenets of their faith in the best ways they know how. As Michael Newman reports, that includes feeding the body and soul. For the Tumbur family, Vasaki is a highlight of the year. This is black chickpeas or kale shodle. This is just straight iron and protein. Okay, so this is halwa. Sweet or salty? It's sweet, has nuts. So, like yeah. rice pudding? Slightly like rice pudding. Slightly. Every other day, the family runs a sweet shop called the Ladu Factory. But today, it's about coming together and freely serving the masses at their food stand. Well, this is one time out of the year where everyone just drops everything and comes together and it just works. The communication, everything just works. Otherwise, it's really hard to get with someone, like talk to someone, oh, let's go for lunch or whatnot, falls through. But once Basaki shows up, everyone's here, everyone's ready to work. 
Barbur Singh's dad started this tradition over 25 years ago when he was just one years old. My family started this when I was around like one. As you can see right now, we got big st bigger stoves, but at the time we only had one small stove and a little bit of smaller pots. But over the years, they grew. And since then, the family has recruited a team of friends and families, all committed to the charity of Langar Seva, a key tenet of their faith, where no matter who you are or where you come from, if you're hungry, you're going to get your belly filled. One of the basic needs is eating. So if you don't have your basic needs, how can you pray God? How can you connect with the higher power? So that's what that's, this is the whole Langar Seva is for, feeding, feeding the people that are needy. No line anybody. So everybody, like a Christian, Hindu or uh, uh, Sikh, doesn't matter, nobody, like uh, any line there. So for everybody, the, the food, everybody is welcome, yeah, yeah. yes. And so with passion and faith, they have endured the almost one full week of preparations and now cooking and serving various dishes ranging from savory bread pakora to sweet jalebi, with all hands on deck, including myself, joyfully ready to feed the suspected record-breaking crowd. As you can see, that's my mom. She's smiling the whole day. You look anywhere, you can talk to any of these guys. They'll tell you they're very happy. There's, they'll, they always say, after Vasaki, it's like sleeping like they were babies. Michael Newman, Global News. Yvonne is here now, and, uh, you know, it was not the greatest weather today for Visaki, but you know what? All that warm, good food kept <laughs> everybody's hearts warm, right? Yeah, absolutely, and it wasn't a complete washout as well, but we are actually tracking some more rain, so it was great news, and it's all about the company and food as well. Uh, temperatures right now, we're sitting at 11 degrees. We've got this wave of rain that's just starting to push in. It'll be heavy at times. We've got a wind out of the airport closer to 11 kilometers per hour, but here's what we're seeing. There's that heavier band. We can see it with the oranges and yellow and reds that's just approaching the west end and that's going to move in for all areas across metro vancouver extending towards the fraser valley so we've got a wave of heavy rain this evening similar across the island right across the southern regions victoria will be included within that now for tomorrow morning we've got rain it'll ease off we've got a brief break for the early afternoon and then it starts to pick up with the next round of rain this frontal system still working its way along the southern half of the province so rain and heavy at times for the afternoon and evening on sunday but once we get past that in the long range, the big weather story that we're following is this ridge of high pressure that's going to build. As we look ahead towards the end of the week, potentially and towards next week, and there's that surge in temperatures. Here's an outline of what we can anticipate. So once we get past tomorrow with the rainfall into the long range, Wednesday onwards, we're looking at temperatures into the low 20s. It'll be paired with sunshine, dry conditions all the way in towards next weekend and similar for areas and towards the interior as well. So this is the trend and this is what we're anticipating in the coming days. We just need to get past the beginning or tomorrow and the beginning of the week as well. Now, northern regions along the coast will bump up to eight. A bit of instability. The areas of concern tomorrow will be across the central interior. We're looking at that risk of a thunderstorm. Areas towards the south, higher elevations. It's still cold enough. We've got the freezing level sitting at around 1,400 meters. We could still see a few wet flurries if you're traveling along the mountain passes. Most areas for the Thompson Okanagan, a few showers in the mix. Kamloops up to 16 as a daytime high. Whistler will see that rainfall heavy at times through the day, similar for all areas across the island, lower mainland and extending in towards the Fraser Valley. So we will see a brief break morning and into the afternoon and then the rain starts to pick up once again. So be prepared tomorrow with those umbrellas. We've got temperatures closer to 10 degrees. Monday, Tuesday, I've put in a few isolated showers in the mix and then Wednesday, Julie onwards. And as we look ahead towards our Thursday, we'll be into the low 20s with plenty of sunshine. Back to you. All right. Hope on the horizon. Thanks so much, Yvonne. 
Volunteers gathered at Kelowna's Gyro Beach today for a cleanup. Yeah, all volunteers, um, kind of word of mouth on social media. I don't know, I'd say we've probably got around 150 folks. Um, yeah, we started showing up around 10 a.m., so yeah, it was awesome. We really enjoy going to the beach. We don't want it to be like all... We want to do something, trash. go outside. During the two-hour event, pickers found a lot of cigarette butts as well as food wrappers and plastics. The event also drew attention to the fact that in B.C., about 40% of plastic is only used once and only 9% of it is recycled. And hopefully we could move on to some other beaches in the Okanagan as well and make it a, a sort of a roving event. That'd be great. But on behalf of Gyro, it's great to start here. And I know this is one of the most popular beaches here in Kelowna in the Okanagan. And we're proud to represent it as Gyro Club of Kelowna and really happy to be involved and see all these people here. Volunteers were also asked to consider carpooling to the cleanup event in order to keep it as environmentally friendly as possible. Harbor Air showed off their first all-electric Haviland Beaver to the public today in honor of Earth Day. Harbor and Air Crews, Harbor Air Crews rather, showcasing their environmentally friendly plane today in its downtown Vancouver terminal. The plane was viewable from the seawall. Harbor Air says their investment in an electric plane works toward a sustainable future and reducing carbon emissions. The team um, is invested in our planet um, and we're here to showcase that meaningful investment can actually lead to tangible action in um, reducing emissions and working towards a sustainable future. Harbor Air says the aircraft can fly for 30 minutes with a 30-minute reserve. It is still in the process of being tested, having been flown for 25 hours among 72 flights. Well, staff at Science World marked Earth Day with free admission if you dropped off an old electronic device that needs recycling. That included anything from smartphones, tablets, and even AirPods. The first Earth Day was held back on April 22nd, 1970. I don't know about you guys, but I've got a lot of things that I can give them. <laughs> Spring cleaning, right? It's Your a good time to exactly. <laughs> a little purge. Old AirPods. First of all, welcome to the weekend, yes, Julie, officially Julie. for the next year or so. Thank you. Until Sarah gets back from uh, baby in parent duty. But, uh, yeah, lots of sports going on. I know the Canuck fans in love with their team was in the playoffs. But next best thing, I guess, is the uh, Abbotsford Canucks, who won their first round AHL playoff series last night against Bakersfield. So we'll take a look back at that. And we'll also feature Tristan Nielsen, who's a member of that Abbotsford Canucks team, used to play for the Vancouver Giants. And... He's hoping maybe soon he can make that big jump to the Canucks. Jay Janner will have a story on that coming up as well. Okay, thanks so much, Barry. Mm -hmm. Well, you're going to hear more about what's called the nature economy, how companies are trying to consider the environment and their choices, but it can be difficult. We'll explain after the break. BC's big news. The 2023 Canadian Screen Awards have named Global News Hour at 6 the country's best local newscast. Thank you, BC, for making Global News Hour at 6 your choice for news. You may not have heard of it yet, but there's a growing movement across the country embracing the so-called nature economy. It relies on conservation and stewardship to promote economic growth. Anna Gaviola has more on this new approach and why it continues to face challenges. 
Trees as big as buildings in BC's coastal rainforests are prime targets for loggers, but proponents of the so-called nature economy suggest leaving them standing is more profitable than cutting them down. We understood that, you know, 500-year-old trees don't just grow up overnight. The nature economy puts the environment first to promote economic growth, placing a price tag on clean air, wildlife and plants. Indigenous ecotourism is an example of the nature economy in action, a growing industry worth billions, and it relies on a healthy ecosystem. Traditional economic models don't value things in nature until they're processed for human use. The nature economy is niche, though increasingly being considered in boardrooms across the country. But it's voluntary and not standardized. One formalized way of valuing nature is the carbon tax, putting a price on pollution. But even that is politically contentious. I think there were, they, we just took nature for granted. Clean energy champion Tom Rand says the financial and business community need to fully understand the cost of environmental inaction. Our economy, if it continues on its current path, will effectively bring ruin to the very ecosystem that, we, that our civilization kind of grew up in. He points to cod fishing, once a thriving industry in Atlantic Canada. Overfishing led to its collapse in the early 90s. The long-term financial ramifications are felt to this day. Rand says there's an urgent need for climate capitalism, a planet-first, sustainable focus, before it's too late. There's nothing inherently against valuing nature within capitalist economies. You just need to put a rule in place that values it, and then you would act accordingly. So it's really a all-hands-on-deck emergency call for action. The amount of money that's currently being invested... In the Smart Prosperity Institute estimates annual investment uh, in Canada's nature economy is more than $5 billion, but needs to increase to $25 billion. The challenge is getting people to understand that the investment pays off over time. When we think about things like floods or natural disasters, Investing in nature can help mitigate those types of disasters and create a better bottom line for these businesses over the long term. Anne Gaviola, Global News, Toronto. Ahead on the news hour, a long time coming from the Abbotsford Canucks. Plus, the Wrexham Football Organization gets some welcome news and its famous owners are overjoyed. More on that when we come back. From the stories that affect us all, to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Support this year's Gala of Grace. This is an event of hope and love in support of North Shore Crisis Services Society, who provide emergency shelter, assistance, and resources to women and children fleeing domestic abuse. Although the gala is now sold out, your donation directly supports women and children in our community. Don't miss Sting coming to Rogers Arena. Enjoy this exuberant and dynamic show taking fans on a musical journey through its timeless hits like Fields of Gold, Message in a Bottle, Roxanne, and more. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you in part by MarBC. Support a sustainable BC and recycle your end-of-life, large appliances, and help keep BC green.
Well, Barry, they must be overjoyed, those abattoir mm -hmm. ducks. Yeah, well, it's really important for the young players and the organization to have some playoff success. That's how you learn. And uh, right. once the big Canucks ever get into the playoffs, maybe one of these years, maybe. these kids will be ready to help them out. So, yeah. Things are going nicely over there in the uh, Valley. Thanks, Julie. The uh, Abbotsford Canucks have done something the big club has not uh, been able to do very often, and that is win a home ice playoff series. Abby polishing off the Bakersfield Condors in a playoff sweep. They shut them out in game one on Wednesday, and then last night they beat the Condors 4-2 to advance to round two. A great atmosphere at a sold-out Abbotsford Center last night, 7,000-plus. Had to wait a bit for the first goal, but the home team got it. Jack Rathbone, who uh, had another big injury this year, but is back and playing well. one nothing. Abby with the lead over the Oilers farm team. And then Brady Keeper, who also had a very serious injury a year ago. Nice to see him back and playing. Nils Hoaglander with the assist. So it was 2-0 Abbotsford at that point. Bakersfield tied it, but in the third, Nils Hoaglander with the game winner. It ends 4-2. Canucks sweep the best of three. Two games to none. They now await the winner of Tucson and Coachella Valley. That series will start next week. I think we looked a bit nervous, I thought, uh, to close the series out. But again, it's, it's hard. Like, it's a desperate team. They're going to throw everything they have at us. And I, I thought uh, we looked a little, little jittery. Uh, but, you know, already made a couple of big saves for us. And in the end, we did enough. I think we'll be better uh, the next time we're in that situation. Well, for the first time in a long time, the Canucks prospects pool finally has a little bit of depth to it. One player to keep your eye on in Abbotsford is former Vancouver Giant Tristan Nielsen. Nielsen had a solid junior career, but few expected him to be knocking on the door of an NHL job. But two years into his professional career, the Fort St. John native is doing just that. Ains, great drop pass play. Look at this, Tristan Nielsen. Tristan Nielsen has quietly put together a solid sophomore professional campaign. 14 goals and 41 points in the regular season, good for fourth in Abbotsford Canucks team scoring. Solid numbers for a player who went undrafted before signing an HL contract with Abbotsford as a 20-year-old. He's been a difference maker for us. He's been a dynamic, uh, he's been a play driver and uh, been a big part of our success. You know, when we've had been missing players to injury or call up, He's been one we can plug in. He's played kind of all the positions on the power play. He's played all the positions, center, both wings. Um, so that's credit to him and, and his uh, versatility. You're 6'5", I'm 5'8". Get some! Get some! Honestly, for me, it's always just been like a big step, whether it was midget or junior or now pro. It's I've always kind of felt I've stepped in and not been one of the even middle of the pack players on each team. And by the end of kind of the next season or the season before, I guess, I, I kind of move my way up and become more of an impact player. Nielsen's worked hard for everything that's come his way. He gives credit to his former Abbey teammate Phil DiGiuseppe for teaching him how to recommit himself away from the rink. The other driving force behind the Fort St. John native success is his father, Sean. And when we say driving force, we really mean driving force. There was a point where I was playing spring hockey. I was living in Fort St. John and I was driving to Edmonton every weekend. So that's about a seven hour drive. I was driving there every weekend for three months of the year just, just to play spring hockey. 
So I, I was really lucky. My dad kind of he, uh, he ran a business up there so he could get time off and. But yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. I like the the amount of vehicles we probably went through is crazy. All in the pursuit of chasing his NHL dream, one that appears within reach, judging by his continued on ice development and glowing scouting reports by those who watch him day in and day out. He pops like you can see he's got skill, and uh, but sometimes those guys it doesn't transfer to results. He's able to translate that dynamic skill and skating and and it kind of it jumps off the page to winning and and uh, that's a again he's done a great job now I played for the Giants I played I played junior here I played now I'm playing pro here and obviously I want to eventually make the next step but I think it's just huge and it's kind of like a nice little success story I get to stay closer to home it's it's everything Jay Janower Global Sports all right, Stanley Cup playoffs, raucous atmosphere in Winnipeg. Game three, Jets and Golden Knights, the whiteout making for an amazing scene in Winnipeg. It didn't look good when late in the second, Keegan Colasar, who's from nearby Brandon, Manitoba, converts the rebound to make it 4-1 Vegas after two, but the Jets rally. Now 4-2 on the power play. Captain Mark Scheifele gets his first of the series, zipping that to the top corner, and then in the final seconds with the goalie out, furious Jets pressure, and it's Adam Lowry. Bangs in the rebound past Laurent Brassois, who is Overdale, 4-4. It needed double overtime. Knights force the turnover, and it's Michael Amadio who rips it crossbar and in, and the Golden Knights pull it out 5-4. They lead the series 2-1. Tough loss for the Jets, who lost their top defenseman, Josh Morrissey, very early in the first period with an injury. Meanwhile, Lightning and Leafs, Game 3 from Tampa. These teams have traded blowout victories so far. First period tied at 1. Austin Matthews with the redirect of the Mitch Marner slapper. It's 2-1 Toronto. But uh, Tampa tied it before the end of the period and then took the lead in the second. Darren Radish, a 27-year-old uh, journeyman from Caledon, Ontario, scores his first-ever Stanley Cup goal. Has only played 21 games in his NHL career. A big thrill for him. 3-2 Lightning in the third. Morgan Riley pushes Braden Point into the boards heavily. That leads to some scrapping, as we have seen in the first week of the playoffs. Austin Matthews and Steven Stamkos couple of 50 goal guys, 60 goal guys going at it. 3-2 right now, Tampa leading in another great playoff game right now. All right, Blue Jays and Yankees from the Bronx. Alec Manoa, the former Vancouver Canadian, has struggled early this season, but he loves to pitch at Yankee Stadium, and he was fantastic. Seven shutout innings of two-hit ball with five strikeouts, left the game scoreless. Top ninth though, the Jays were down two, but Danny Jansen with a pinch hit two-run homer to left. Ties it up 2-2, but in the bottom of the ninth, Jordan Romano, the usually reliable closer for the Jays, did not get an out. DJ LeMahieu with the bases loaded past the drawn-in infield, and the Yanks beat the Jays 3-2. Toronto drops to 12-9 on the season. NBA playoffs, no Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers in Game 4 against Phoenix. That right knee sprain has kept Kawhi out of the last two games. Kevin Durant and the Suns took advantage of that. KD to the basket, tough layup, gets it to go. Durant only playing his 12th game with the Suns, starting to find his game. He led the Suns with 31. Their other star, Devin Booker, went for 30 points, hit the big uh, three here in the fourth quarter, 112-100 the final, and the Suns now lead the best of seven, three games to one. 
FA Cup semifinals from Wembley. Manchester City taking on championship side uh, Sheffield United, who were just in the Premier League a couple years ago, but it was all Man City and all Riyad Mahrez scored on a first-half penalty, then walks one in to make it 2-0, and five minutes later, Mahrez completes the hat-trick as Man City win it 3-0. They advance to the FA Cup final in early June. Man United and Brighton play in the other semifinal tomorrow. We'll talk about your Hollywood ending, and it's just the beginning, really, for Welsh-based soccer team Wrexham FC, which were purchased a couple of years ago by movie and TV stars Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney with the goal of getting this fifth-tier team back to respectability. And thanks to their Netflix series, Welcome to Wrexham, which is great, by the way, and their star power and their social media skills, Wrexham is beloved by millions around the world. And today, the team won its league title to get promoted and all of the soccer world was watching. Wrexham have had a record-breaking season, 33 wins, eight draws, just three losses, but still needed a win today to get automatic promotion to League Two, which is the fourth level of Britain's soccer hierarchy. They did concede early, but they fought back, and it's their star striker, Paul Mullen. Mullen giving Wrexham the lead 2-1, and the race course erupts. Rob McElhenney is happy, and then later Mullen does it again. This guy may be playing fifth-tier level, but he is a world-class, likely to play for Wales national teams soon. 3-1 Wrexham win. They are champions of the National League. Automatic promotion to League Two next year and you can't wait to watch season two of Welcome to Wrexham to get the behind scenes look at this uh, truly Hollywood ending today and there you see tears of joy from the stars and uh, of course everyone loves them there and they've got thousands and thousands of fans around the world. They sold 24,000 uh, jerseys this year before, before they could blink. And they're so popular in the U.S. and Canada, too, and all across uh, Britain. So we got to watch the it, show. It's so good. And, you know, like anything uh, with these guys, they know how to do, they know how to do movies and social media. Midas touch. If you haven't yeah. noticed before with Ryan Reynolds, he knows how. Yeah. Yes, for sure. All okay. right. Thanks so much, Barry. Okay. Well, coming up after the break, 45s or 33s dropping the needle for International Indie Record Store Day. Stay with us. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us, when BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Well, in addition to Earth Day, today is also International Independent Record Store Day. I was counting it down until this moment arrived. It's the day vinyl record enthusiasts wait for all year, and it is meant to celebrate the culture of indie record stores. The owner of Red Cat Records in Vancouver says limited releases come out on this day to help bring people together. The store has been celebrating this day for 16 years. A whole bunch of limited releases come out on this day, usually over 150, and it kind of brings people out just to celebrate record store culture and what it means to go and shop for physical items at a local business. Well, I got lots of vinyl. What about you guys? Uh, I'm not sure if I have any left. I know back in the day when I was a kid, <laughs> that's what I would buy. I would buy, after I did my newspaper route, I would go buy the latest 45. Oh, no, so I'm really too. aging yes. myself. <laughs> Yvonne, you know what these are. Yvonne, these are, these are things you'd put on a record player <laughs> and you'd play them. I know you don't. I know, I see them. Check YouTube. You'll, yeah. you'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> She's too young. So no records on the horizon. Potentially, but we are going to see our first 20 day, a 20 digit temperature that's going to be coming into next week. So we're looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you at 11 o'clock.
Have a good night. Good night.